when you think of great adversaries, there's so many. Like in the old cola wars, it was Coke versus Pepsi. On the culinary side, McDonald's versus Burger King. In boxing, Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier. In Star Wars, Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader. In family clans, the Hatfields and the McCoys. In tennis, Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. And sadly, in today's politics, it seems like anything liberal versus anything conservative. In football, it also seems like Tom Brady and the New England Patriots against the world. And surprisingly, even these two you see pictured now on the screen, you can believe it, Batman versus Superman out. Outside the one movie that was titled that way, you'd never in a million years expect to see those two fighting against each other or opposing each other. But let me say, they are not the only ones. We also live with that same surprising kind of thing going on inside of you and me. Yes, two very different elements are going on inside us. Now, I'm not talking about the control over the television remote, if that's an issue in your house. I'm not talking about the battle over the blankets at night with your spouse or the raging hatred that some of you have towards the alarm clock. No, I'm talking about something more like this. How was work? Nothing unusual. Email was down again. And uh, Bill called me into his office again. What's wrong? Nothing, really. He just thinks he can come down and fit in with these blue-collar guys. You know, he's white-collar. Or you've done something wrong again, and you're getting in trouble. And you'll get demoted, then you'll stop shaving. There goes my vacation. Maybe you'll even get fired. And then you'll do that lazy thing, and I'll have to go back to work. And there goes the house. We had plans for this house. We'll be living out of our car or out on the street, and eventually we'll be forced to move in with your mother. How was your day, Kim? Well, Dana's having a party Friday night, and I thought I could go. But before you freak out, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, y'all guys know me. You're a great kid, but there's no stopping the peer pressure. It just takes one sip, and you're hooked. And then there's the smoking and piercings and the tattoos and the boys. Even good boys don't have good intentions, never mind the bad boys. Oh, and you'll go straight for one of the bad boys and they'll introduce you to all the bad things and you'll get pregnant and drop out of school and we'll never see you again. And we'll be stuck with your kid. What about you, Mom? I've been considering taking up string art. No. Des has been doing some really wonderful things with it. You can do anything with string. Did you know you can make refrigerator magnets? Everyone knows string art is a gateway craft. You'll start knitting and making me hats and scarves and sweaters and making me wear those sweaters. And you'll stop dyeing your hair and get those grandma glasses and you'll want a cat, which will kill my allergies and probably lead to more cats. And you'll want to make things and bring it to my class and embarrass me in front of all of my friends. this a cat hair? <laughs> the tagline in that video is so very true. The secret adversarial thing that's hiding in all of us is our unseen fear. And it's that unseen fear which is the adversary of our faith. 
And because that fear is so often unseen, we don't think of it as an adversary of our faith. We don't recognize it as an adversary of our faith. Because after all, we certainly think we recognize fear when we see it, don't we? Like when something like the horrible school shooting tragedy in Parkland happened, you know, we recognize fear in the faces of the parents and the students. But when it comes to the fear that we have inside us, that we have to deal with every day within, it's not always so obvious. For the adversarial unseen faith hiding in us is actually a root that gives nourishment to all sorts of things inside of us. Like stress. Because the root of stress is fear. Which whispers in your ear, hey, I don't have enough time to get everything done. So what am I going to do? How am I going to handle the fallout of this? Who am I going to let down? You see, fear is also the root which gives nourishment to worry. Like, what will be the reaction of those I let down? And what will the consequences of that be? And will I be able to fix this thing with that person that I let down? Fear is also the root that gives nourishment to anxiety. Anxiety is that feeling that everything's not quite right, that something's about to come apart, blow up, or fall apart. Fear. It's also the root which gives nourishment to unsettledness. It's something you can't quite put your finger on. It's out of place. It's askew. It's undone. Uh, Something needs to happen, but I can't remember what it is. Fear is also the root which gives nourishment to our putting on masks with others, trying to impress others that we're something we're not, or our being constantly concerned with what others think of us. Fear is the root that gives nourishment to all the harebrained ways that we try to comfort ourselves through food and substance abuse and acquiring more and more stuff. Fear is the root that gives nourishment to all the ways that we are unhappy with ourselves or we fall short or feel inadequate. Fear is the root to give nourishment to all the ways that we try to compensate for our perceived shortcomings and inadequacies through unrealistic dreams and fantasies. Yes, fear is the unseen adversary of Our faith hiding in each of us unabashedly and unrecognizably in the shadows opposing our faith every day all the time. And so today we're going to look at a story in the Bible which tells us a lot about this battle between faith and fear. It begins in Mark's fourth chapter with verses 1 and 2 in the NIV. Which tells us again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out in the lake while all the people along the shore were at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parable. Now, I want you to imagine this. Can you imagine being one of Jesus' hand-picked disciples? People would see you traveling around with him, and they would actually be in awe of you, thinking you knew everything that Jesus was teaching. And as Jesus was teaching, there was this huge crowd along the shoreline. He was out in the boat. Scripture says Jesus taught them with many things by parables. And you know, parables are simple stories on the surface that actually have much deeper meaning and truth behind them. But here's the thing. The disciples were actually a whole lot more like the people listening than those people listening thought. 
So we see this as we get the 10th verse in this 4th chapter, which tells us, when he, Jesus, was alone with the 12, with the disciples, then they were around him, they asked him about the parables. Now, can you imagine being one of Jesus' disciples? How cool would that be? And so, you were thus able to learn a great deal all the time by Jesus. You were able to ask questions, interact with him. And so again, we see as we get to verses 33 and 34, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. So again, the disciples didn't just get everything that Jesus was talking about by osmosis. They were constantly being challenged. They were being stretched and seeking to understand and to grow in what it was that Jesus was teaching them. So we see this next in verse 35. That day, when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. So you see, after a whole day of learning, of being challenged, stimulated by all this great teaching, growing beyond where they were, seeing a lot more about life than they did when they awoke that morning, how did they feel? Well, they felt on fire. They were, they were blessed and inspired. Man, it doesn't get any better than this. And don't you too, don't you love it when you feel the same way? Everything's going well. Everything's working out, falling into places. Your horizons are broadened. You see beyond where you've been. Man, it is so fulfilling, so invigorating. You feel like the person on that life is good poster. You know, like the guy on the screen, uh, sitting there kicking back, hands behind your head, lounging in the chair, drink by your side. That's where the disciples were. Except that Jesus had just told them, hey, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they're still feeling really good. But now it's time to transition to their cruising alongside Jesus in a boat to the other side of the lake. So continuing in verse 36 of Mark's fourth chapter, we see leaving the crowd behind, they, the disciples, took him, Jesus, along there as he was, just in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. So now you have this small flotilla of happy, faith-filled disciples cruising along in this beautiful lake with Jesus. And we too, like the disciples each day, you know, we have to move along in our lives and we too have Jesus by our side. But for them, in verse 37 we read, a furious squall came up. And waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Man, oh man, how could this happen? Everything was was going so good. Everything seemed to be falling in place. And now, excuse the expression, all hell was breaking loose. And things can't remain like that long. You remember back in October last year, the video of the wave breaking over the bow of the boat in Jupiter? And as you can see on the screen, man, it took but a few seconds before it was completely gone with a person in the boat swimming for his life. And you see, that's where the disciples found themselves, literally seconds away from an apparent disaster. Continuing in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, Don't you care if we drown? And 
We see right here the disciples went instantly from what to what? They went instantly from faith to fear. One minute, mountaintop faith, and the next, mortifying fear. And let me say they're not alone, and they're cruising along. As you and I cruise through life, even with Jesus in the same boat of whatever it is and wherever we're going, fear comes upon us too. Not always as dramatically as the boat we're in being swamped into dangerous waters and uh, thinking we're going to go down and we're going to drown. But fear can come upon us to sprout and to take root in us just as surely. Because remember, stress is what? It's rooted in fear. Worry is what? It's rooted in fear. Anxiety is rooted in fear. Unsettledness is rooted in fear. And our putting on masks with others, trying to impress others to be something we're not, or constantly being concerned about what they think of us, that's all rooted in fear. And the illegitimate ways we try to comfort ourselves when we are unhappy with ourselves or we feel we fall short or are inadequate, that too is rooted in fear. And just like the disciples who had grown that day so much in Christ's teaching and presence and and peace, but still had fear grip them, we too can be wonderfully cruising along in life and have fear grip us inside, often in unseen but no less quietly distressing ways, working on our hearts, working on our spirits, working on our minds, our emotions, our outlets, working on our relationships with ourselves, with God and with others. And like the disciples right here saying to Jesus, don't you care if we drown? We too. We too cry out to Jesus saying, hey, I'm miserable here. I'm stressed. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm unsettled. I'm unhappy with this or that. I'm unhappy about myself, about what others think of me and on and on and on. And we cry out, help me, Lord. Fix this. Take this away. Make this right. And quite honestly, we don't always feel like he hears us. And we don't feel like he's doing anything at all as we focus more and more and more on what's wrong. But look at what Jesus does with his disciples in verse 39 and 40 in Mark's fourth chapter. He, Jesus, got up, rebuked the wind, And said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He says the same thing to us, but we don't hear him. Don't you realize that fear is the issue? It masquerades itself as stress or worry or anxiety or unsettledness. It masquerades itself as feeling unhappy with yourself or you're not measuring up. It masquerades itself in false ways of comforting yourself to make you feel better. What Jesus is saying is stop focusing on the symptoms of stress and worry and anxiety and all the other stuff and focus with me, Jesus says, on just one thing, your fear. How do you do that? Well, Jesus points his disciples to that saying, it's all about faith. Do you still have it? Because you see, faith conquers fear. 
and all those symptoms of fear that we can't get a handle on suddenly become much less distressing and much less threatening when you realize the issue is simply fear and not all the other stuff that you think it is. Jesus rebukes fear and its waves and its winds that blow into your life, telling them to be still. Look what happens when he does that in the scripture. It says, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And suddenly the disciples had a completely different perspective. Suddenly there were clear skies and calm waters before them. And Mark in the 41st verse tells us they were terrified. They ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The word terrifies here is different from the word fear. It means they were blown away with awe and wonder. It means that they were exposed to the overwhelming power of God in Jesus Christ. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. His name is Jesus And he's in whatever boat you're cruising through in life this very minute. And he may appear to you to be sleeping on a cushion, unaware of what you're going through, but it's not true. He's simply waiting on you to reach out to him. Not to fix the surface symptoms of whatever you're going through, but to calm and fix the root cause of it all. And that's fear. Even though that fear is unseen and unrealized by you, masquerading as all these things that we've talked about. So reach out to him. Ask him to calm your fear. And he will. And he will give you a fresh, renewed spirit. Fresh and renewed reflection. Fresh and renewed outlook. A new way to look at things. So who is this? That even the wind and the waves of whatever feels like it's sinking you, he can calm. His name is Jesus. Have faith in him. Trust him. Let him calm your unseen adversary, fear, and tear off its masquerading mask. Singer Zach Williams has a very sobering new song about this very thing. It's called, Fear is a Liar. Open your heart to its words. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, you'll never be enough. Fear is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fire, cause fear, he 
34.4 New Living Translation tells us, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. And let me add, all the ways that fear hides in our lives and masquerades as so many things. Realize fear is the root, nourishing so many troubling things in your life. Call on Jesus to come and to rip the root out of them all, which is fear. Pray with me. Great God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ, who's coming and sharing you with us in such a personal and intimate and life-changing way. All of us, Father, struggle with things in our lives. And we are so focused on those things. We are so focused on what is wrong. We're so focused on how do we fix this little thing that we miss the point of it all, which is fear is the root of all those things. And if we can realize that and ask you to come and be with us and to calm our fear, you'll do that. You'll also give us a new perspective related to all those things, Father. And in that perspective, we are new people. And those situations and those circumstances do change. So help us to rip the masquerade mask off of fear, Father. And help us to reach out to Jesus. He's not sleeping in the boat with us. He's just waiting for us to reach out to him. Help us to do that. Thank you for him. In his name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 